Hey, thanks for downloading this podcast. If you want to listen live, be sure to download the iHeartRadio app and search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Football is back and playoff fantasy football is back here on this Thursday. Fantasy Sports Today with Joe Pizzapia and Craig Mish getting you ready for the first round of the fantasy football playoffs right now. Fantasy Sports Today. And good afternoon. Welcome in. This is Fantasy Sports Today. Craig Bish, Joe Pizzapia, as always here on the show on a Thursday, noon to 2 Eastern. We got Sean Guastamacchia producing the program. Joe and I will walk you through a lot of the fantasy football matchups for the week. We'll play a little trust or bust. Is the wrong team favored? Covering it all in football and baseball and some pop culture here on the show as we carry you for two hours up until full-time fantasy. And Dr. Roto will take over at that point. And um, here we are, Joe. We have uh, whoever is left still playing fantasy football at this point. Hoping for the best. We get started tonight. We'll dive in a lot more, of course to the Bears and Cowboys uh, in a game that I have looked at, stared at, focused on, and I still can't come up with an idea as to what's going to happen tonight. This this seems like a very unpredictable game tonight. Uh, we'll get into that in some baseball as well. And uh, I know it's a big week for you, big week for me. I got to make some key decisions tonight. I think I got Allen Robinson out there tonight in a uh, fantasy football playoff. Any uh, players out there for you this week? Uh, you know what? Not very heavy into the Bears or the Cowboys. I told you that my biggest regret of this season is not having any shares of Allen Robinson at wide receiver or Leonard Fournette at running back. The cost of Fournette and the risk was just too much for me personally. I just didn't like it. I was a little worried. The injury history was there. Totally wrong about that one. And Allen Robinson just... I, I just didn't get him. It was one of those things where I was taking lots of Cooper Cup, who was kind of in that same range, and I think I ended up a lot more of him. But uh, certainly uh, a game that's very difficult to judge. At this point, I think you kind of flip a coin here. If this was in Dallas, I think maybe you go, okay, it's pretty good. You understand it's the Cowboys. But it's funny. Last week, I thought this was a get-right game for the Cowboys. Thanksgiving, spotlight, Cowboys usually play well there, show up, and they did not play well. 15 points with all of those stats, just something just did not equate there. I think the Cowboys are a better football team than the Bears. I think you would agree with that in terms of just talent on the field, on both sides of the football, maybe all together collectively. But sometimes the Cowboys just don't play like it. And I don't know how many times they're going to go down this well with the Cowboys and Eagles where they have winnable games on their schedule. And they come up short. The Eagles just are like, you know what? Oh, Cowboys, you lost again. Uh, don't worry. We'll keep pace with you. We'll lose to the Dolphins and just continue to just, just wallow in our own cropulence, as uh, Homer Simpson would say. So uh, I'm curious, if you had to put a wager on this one, Bears-Cowboys, where would you go, Craig? Oh, uh, man. <laughs> I really don't know. Like, I got to be honest. Like, this you got 100 those... bucks burning a hole in your pocket. Craig Mish is You know, lucky. I'll always. He's having I'll always, drinks even on Monday. Bar. What would you do? E- even on Monday's game where I didn't where I didn't really have a good feeling on it, I leaned toward the over. And, you know, that was, you know, luckily it came in. Um, there was no real data or information that would have pointed me to that. And usually when I don't I don't feel good about a side, 
it's usually a total, which is probably the direction that would go in this one. The right pick feels like the Bears. It's a home dog. You're getting points. Uh, it's not a short week. So you would think that that is the play. I cannot back the Bears in any game. I just can't do it. I, and, and I don't and I really can't after what I saw with and I know it's a week to week league. I always say that after seeing what I saw from the Cowboys last week, I don't know that they are motivated. I'm not sure. I, I don't know that after what I saw, if you can't get up for a home Thanksgiving Day game, right? With the playoffs on the line. I don't know that I could back them either, but but it would not shock me at all to see Dallas win 21-3. You know, like it, it that wouldn't surprise me in the least to see Trubisky just completely blow up tonight. So I will take the under. That's the only way that I could go with this. I, I am I am just not going. I mean, I could randomly just throw a team out there. Uh, if I had to pick a side, it would be the Bears. I would not. And, it, and if I had to pick a total... It would be the under, and of those four decisions, key decisions, basically, do you take Dallas? Do you take Chicago? Do you take the over? Or do you take the under? I think I would go under forty-three and a half points. If, if by the way, if the total was a little bit higher, forty-five, forty-six, I'd probably take the over because that would be more of an indication as to which way that is going to go. But this is it. It is to me. I don't have any indication on specifically the Bears. You know, you know like, what's worse? I mean, they were both so coaches, bad all year. Yeah, I'm just saying. What's worse is even both these coaches, Craig. They have a scenario where you. Neither coach has done a good job of game planning for their opponents this year. It seems like every time they come out there, you look at the talent, you look at the situation, you look at a winnable game, and then the game plan just doesn't fit what you should be doing. And it's just you kind of sit back and go, what's happening there? And, and look, you know, Montgomery has not been good, unfortunately. He he had some moments earlier in the season. He had a moment or two in the middle of the season. But overall, that has not worked out. I don't know if you blame it all on him or partially in the offensive line. But at this point with Trubisky, you just don't know which Trubisky is going to show up. He had some moments in that Detroit game where he looked pretty good. I mean, I think you would agree with that, right? He had some moments. Uh, but least, you don't but even know which quarter he's going to show up. It's like right. he doesn't do it at the beginning and then he does it again. But I mean, and, and I know that in that game specifically, and I hate to just keep going back to one game, but, but in that game against Detroit, uh, it, I mean, it's it's easy to say now, but if on the first play of the game or whatever it was, if Blau doesn't throw that bomb to Galladay, uh, Bears probably win and they win uh, pretty handily and they cover the spread. Agreed. But the Bears couldn't win and cover with an adjusted line because Blau started. They couldn't. Is cover that the four bigger? Half. Is that the bigger story of? You know, it's funny. We spent so much time, all of us, talking about the failure of Mitchell Trubisky and the failure of Nagy. But have we not talked enough about the failure of the defense? They've given up a ton of fantasy points to running backs this year. They had a stretcher. They were giving up like twenty-five points to running backs for an entire month, and. I mean, like you just said, you know, they let these guys get past them. They've got, I mean, Fuller's a good corner. They got a lot of players there. And there you go. There's Kenny Galladay, you know, (laughs) catching a 75-yard touchdown. Have we not taken the Bears' defense to task enough this year? I mean, Mack has not been who he was last year. I mean, that's, you know, that's a big part of it. Um, You know, I, I don't know. This is just, again, this just goes back to one of those games where I feel like the right call, if you have no idea, is just to take the home team on Thursday night. And out of the 17 weeks of the season, when we go back and look at it, uh, at the very least nine times, the home team is going to cover. I, I mean, and that's above 50%. So that's my lean here. Dallas, of course, statistically, so much better than Chicago. Like, it is not even close. But I I don't know what the psyche is of Dallas, honestly, going into this game. And I, and I don't know that Dallas doesn't, you know, kick off. Mar doesn't line up for a 55-yard field goal because he tries those stupid field goals at the end of the game. And they win 21-20, you know, like anything goes, I think, in this game. It's, look, it's very rare that I will say that about any game where it's an almost clueless feeling. 
Uh, but this, this honestly, I, I just, I, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, it's, it's, it's a very tough call for me for sure. All right. So we are uh, off and running here on the opening drive. And that is coming up next. We got some baseball news. Uh, Mets deciding to shake things up a little bit in their front office and in their organization. But not now, of course, because it's no. the Mets. So it's not now, but it's going to be later. And maybe it's going to be later. It's like one of those. <sighs> the, the, the story that keeps on giving is always in New York. Mets will play a little game of is the wrong team favorite on the show. And don't forget, as always, you can hit us up on Twitter at Craig Mish at Joe Pisa PS 17. As a quick programming reminder, I'll be back here on the show tomorrow. We'll bring Jamie Eisenberg back. We were off last week. On Friday, he will uh, preview everything going on for the weekend and also recap Thursday night's game in the NFL. And then next Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, uh, I will be at the winter meetings in San Diego. Joe will be in New Jersey. The two of us will be doing the show along with Bernie Pleskoff, uh, former Major League Baseball scout who lives in Arizona, who, of course, uh, many people know for many years, also plays fantasy and is a big fantasy fan. So we'll try to get the fantasy and reality as to what's going on in baseball as I do this for our company here on Sports Grid also cover for uh, my podcast uh, covering the Marlins on Swings and Mishes as well. So we'll have it all covered for you next week. And then uh, we'll be back and kind of talk more college football and look at the bowl games and uh, and everything in the month of December, which gets kind of exciting because bowl games are 15 days from today. They begin. All right. So don't go anywhere. We'll take a quick time out. We'll come back and play a little uh, game of the opening drive. You're listening to FST Fantasy Sports Today. Craig and Joe, we're back after that. DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. Then he pivots, fakes, chucks the big bomb halfway down the field to our hopefully still wide open tailback. I call it Fantasy Sports Today with Craig Mish and Joe Pizzapia. Fantasy Sports Today presents First Play from Scrimmage. The opening drive. The first play of the game. From the opening play and all the way for a touchdown. And here we are. It is the opening drive on this Thursday, December 5th, 2019. Can't believe that the decade is coming to an end. Joe and I will for sure have a fantasy decade show coming up soon. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at FNTSY Radio, at Craig Mish, at Joe Pizapia 17 Sean Guastamaki, as always, producing this show. Let's get started on the opening drive. Not with football, but with a little baseball. We did the show yesterday, talked a little bit about pitchers that could potentially sign. And lo and behold, it's actually been a pretty good hot stove this year and uh, we've had like moves almost every day and if you think that this is a coincidence stop it you know that there's some funny business going on there, there's there's gotta be i mean they they probably woke everybody up and said we got to make sure that there's moves but uh that's the cynic in me zach wheeler five years uh looks like 118 million gets his own personal suite on the road joe that was the key here right you gotta, you gotta get oh, your suite yeah. on the road you gotta yeah. get a nice plane trip uh, I'm guessing a Harper must have this too. I mean, it's got to be. So, uh, look, the Phillies had money to spend. 
my take on it is is uh, you know a clear overpay for a pitcher that they were desperate they needed the Phillies can't wait two three years Joe to compete they got to do it now uh, let's also keep in mind they did DFA uh, Franco they did DFA Cesar Hernandez that's kind of going to pay for this year's Wheeler honestly it's close enough and if you took a look at the average uh, annual average salary here AAV uh, but I, you know I don't know that this is the the cure to win a championship it just kind of feels like. They didn't want to go $200 million on Strasburg. I'm going to guess they were obviously didn't want to go 300 on Garrett Cole or they would have done it. So this was like their backup option that they chose to take now and not take the chance that they would lose out on all three. So what are your feelings on this? Yeah, well, I mean, first of all, the first feeling is Zach Wheeler and Carlos Beltran can't occupy the same space at the same time. I hope everybody realizes that because back in the day, that's who they got. People forget Zach Wheeler. Came that's in right. Carl Beltran. So yeah. Beltran's back with the Mets. I mean, Zach Wheeler, you need to go. Apparently, you're going to walk away. Uh, this is a contract where you need him to become the guy that you think he could be. This is not a contract where you could pay him and there's upside or that. No, no, he needs to be that guy. And there's a lot of questions of that. I've watched Zach Wheeler quite a bit over the last five years or so. And what I see out of him is inconsistency. He has moments, we talked about it a little yesterday, where he looks dominant. Then he has moments where he doesn't look dominant. Uh, what's troubling to me is that hit rate. You know, he's over at nine hits per nine. A couple years ago, he was over 10. I know in 2018 was his best year by far. And a lot of people like to point out, well, last year, his fifth was three, four, eight, but his ERA was three, nine, six. So, you know what? At the end of the day, great pitchers are able to get out of jams and work around things and show up in the biggest spots. It's got guys like Verlander and Scherzer and those guys do. And, and look, he's not in that class of pitcher. He is going to be a good number two. I don't understand if you're going to spend that much money why you wouldn't go out there and just Go make a run at Strasburg or go make a real run at Cole and, and see if you can really go. Because I don't feel like Wheeler is a guy that is putting you automatically in the playoffs. Last year, it's the inconsistency. And here's one more quick note on that. Here's the ERAs month to month. April, 505. May, 435. June, 411. July, 594. August, 341. And then September, when call-ups happened, 185. So you tell me, Craig Mish, which Zach Wheeler are you getting start to start? Because I don't know. Yeah, I don't think anybody knows. But that's the chance, um, you know, certainly that you take. Um, let me ask you this. Do you think, I mean, I think we both know the answer to this, but who do you think is a better pitcher? Do you think a better pitcher is Patrick Corbin or Zach Wheeler? Uh, Corbin being left-handed is more intriguing to me. I think he's more useful. I think he's also been more consistent. Strikeout to walk ratio is a bit higher and better ratio wise for him. And I mean, I'm sure you couldn't get Bumgarner to Philadelphia. It doesn't seem like a place that he probably wants to go. And that's let me, let me add, let me, let, let's try this again. Who do you think? Is a better pitcher, Corbin, Patrick Corbin, or Zach Wheeler? Right, Corbin. Well, yeah. well, let's I'm just well, to think let's, of who else is out there for them. But like, that well, let's look at it. Day. But let's look at it from a financial point of view, which is important. Okay. Uh, Corbin made twelve million this year. Mm-hmm. He'll make nineteen million with a lot of incentives coming up this year, and then his AAV is 24, 23, 24, and then thirty-five in his final year. So if you if you were the Mets, I'm sorry, if you were the Phillies, mm-hmm. who would you rather have? Based on those parameters, would you rather have the five-year deal at 118 with Wheeler, or would you rather have this um, seven-year or six-year deal and pay uh, Corbin a lot more money? Which one would you rather have? I'll tell you what. I think you're paying, you're getting what you pay for. I will pay for the guy, the left-hander that I believe in, who's shown me more moments of being a front-end starter than Zach Wheeler has. I I understand the argument can be made the other side. I'm not saying the other side of the argument's wrong by any stretch of the means, but I believe I would rather pay and get what I pay for. And get some championships and get some playoff appearances as opposed to paying a guy close to that who could also have a bottom 
Okay. And people forget about the downside. Everybody wants to talk about the upside, but what about the downside? Right. So that's so that's a fair assessment. So now 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 stating that mm-hmm. when you look at the NL East, okay, and you look at the pitching staffs, I by the way believe the Marlins staff will be pretty good. But let's be realistic here. Um, Mets, Nationals, Phillies. Mm-hmm. Of those three teams, who has the best staff? Basically, let's say one through three. Because after that, it's all a wash. You don't know who the four. I think the you have to say Washington still, don't you? Because okay, the so top Scherzer and Corbin is better mm-hmm. than Degrom and Syndergaard is better than um, yes, Wheeler and Nolan. Nolan. Yeah, okay. don't you agree with that? I think that's fair. Where's yeah. the Cy Youngs? Besides, I mean, Degrom's got a couple of them last couple of years. That's great. But after that, Syndergaard is. E- I can make the same argument about Syndergaard they make about Wheeler. Syndergaard can look absolutely brilliant. And mm-hmm. then next week look very hittable and very human. You're going, what's going on? Or even inning to inning sometimes with these guys. Yeah. It's fascinating. And it's and it shouldn't be because they have so much talent. And look, maybe he gets it right. Maybe at 30, whatever. But Wheeler's also had a, ton, you know, a fair amount of injuries in his career, too. He is not perfect. Not that Corbin didn't either. He had Tommy John. But still, he seems to have bounced back pretty good and been a better pitcher since then. Yeah, you never would have guessed three years ago Wheeler would get $100 million from anyone. But that's, uh, yeah. that's what he's put himself into that position. Okay, on second down, we'll go back to football here. And um, let's talk about uh, Sean McVay, who said yesterday that, quote, me not being an idiot is the reason why he's been using Todd Gurley more, which makes some sense. But I guess you would have to ask the question, Joe, if he was an idiot in the first half of the season, do we give him a credit credit for not being an idiot now? Like, I don't know. I don't even know the answer to this one. This is completely confusing and frustrating on so many levels. So are you telling me all this time I could have had Todd Gurley touching the ball 25 times a game? You, you just, was that possible? I think he's lying. I think he's lying and defending. I think he's him. covering up too. Yeah. I would agree. I think that's him going. Oh yeah, I'm a dummy. I totally forgot I had one of the best talents in football, and I should probably let him touch the football more. But you know, the only thing I can think of is this came from higher up, because I don't know gut instinct wise. Maybe you can you know attest to this too. If you're Sean McVay, you're a football coach. You want to win football games, but we also know the financial investment sometimes. You know, especially with a younger coach, where the higher ups tell you. You need to manage this guy X, Y, Z because we have this much money put into him. Do you think that part of what you saw this year with Gurley was also management saying, hey, we've got investment in this guy. Don't roll him into the ground because we're going to end up eating it if you do. Very fair. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it, do you think that's it, it could be? It could be. I, I think that, yes. And I think that Henderson, you're going to see a lot more of next year. I think it's it's going to be a you know direct split. Like, I, I don't think that you're going to see Gurley carrying the ball 20 times ever after this year. I think that's the end of it. Uh, real quick, um, we got two more quickies here. Third down, uh, Bruce Arians said he is undecided on Winston's future. Some funny quotes, by the way, coming in yesterday. Uh, well, he's like, sometimes he's really, really good. Sometimes he's really, really bad. I don't buy no any crap. Of that, right? No crap. He's, Thanks, Bruce. I mean, you, that's what you say in the season, but it's the second the season's over, they're done with him, right? I think so. I, I, I would I would imagine. I think Bruce Arians got to sit back and go, all right, you know what? Unless they're bringing in somebody to compete that they think they you know want to keep Winston around, but I think he's gone. And I love Bruce Arians. Bruce Arians can do no wrong because he says stuff like this, and it, and it makes me smile. He's he's my favorite. <laughs> yeah, he is. He's fun. Uh, okay, fourth down. Chipotle Joe, a story from uh, I read on Yahoo, has on-call nurses who check that their employees uh, who call in sick are not just hungover, which is incredible. This is a story in Business Insider. We have nurses on call so that if you say, hey, I've been sick, you get to call the nurse. The nurse validates that it's not a hangover, that you're really sick. And then we pay for the day off to get healthy again. Interesting, right? Interesting. Interesting that they're getting paid for the day off because most hourly wage places, which I'm assuming Chipotle is, unless I'm wrong, you get a salary Chipotle. I imagine it's an hourly try- wage. Yeah, well, they're all you know, Chipotle's all, also um, 
giving like their own like little scholarships for kids. I saw that. I saw McDonald's doing that. Well, you know, you know what I wish? I wish that more people didn't have and more corporations didn't have to be so philanthropic. I saw a whole thing before, you know, like I saw Bruce Smith giving all this money to his, you know, old high school and all these things. Man, I wish maybe, you know, some I'm not trying to get all lefty on anybody. Relax. But I mean, there's definitely a better way we can distribute money and things like that to just generally take care of each other just a tad better and take care of our schools and our education as opposed to, you know, Amazon not paying any taxes. But whatever. There you go. It would be nice. All right. We'll take a quick time out. Move away from that. Back to is the wrong team favorite. We knock it out here on a Thursday. You're listening to Fantasy Sports Today. Don't go away. DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build and optimize lineups for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. Fantasy Sports Today with Craig Mish and Joe Pizzapia. And welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today. Craig Mish, Joe Pizzapia here with you. We got the NFL Fantasy Playoffs coming up, and we want to wish all of you guys good luck for sure. If you want to ask any questions to us, just hit us up on social media at Craig Mish at Joe Pizzapia 17 Make sure that you ask those questions uh, by copying us on the tweet, too. Makes more sense certainly to do that you'll find joe this weekend over on zumo tv sports grid tv pluto tv as he broadcasts live at the FanDuel sportsbook over at the meadowlands saturday and sunday so a lot of your questions could be answered there as well but if you want to do it personally just hit us up of course on twitter on social media so uh, from a wagering perspective though we always do this on thursday we determine if the wrong team is favored we'll we've kind of illustrated i think the uh, thursday night game which we'll dive into a little bit more we got some over-unders and player props coming up a little bit later in the show. That'll be the second hour. So if you're listening on demand, just hit that fast forward button. Okay, so got a lot of choices this week. A lot of short lines this week, unlike uh, last week. So we got one, two, three, four, five. Wait, let's see. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. And uh, and I'm not even including uh, the Ravens and Bills. I think the Bills got a shot this week. I really do. Uh, but that's a, a you know bigger line there, six-point spread. Uh, so let's get started here. I think we're going to have our uh, first disagreement right at the top here. Uh, but let's see how it works out. Saints minus two and a half against the 49ers. Joe is the wrong team favorite in this game. Absolutely. Positively not. The Saints at home. Drew Brees at home going against. uh, They got extra time to prepare to on top of that for the 49ers. Look, 49ers are really good. I'm not giving them uh, any kind of slack here. I have a lot of respect for the 49ers. This is a huge game for the Saints. They understand what's at stake here. They understand the playoff seating. They are a veteran team here. And let's be honest, the better coach is on the Saints sideline. Uh, Sean Payton is a great football coach. Not good. Great. So I am sure he is going to be ready. He will have a plan. And I'll tell you what, recently, some of these running backs are getting some work against the 49ers, too. And Alvin Kamara is set up for a good day here. So for me, I am going to take Drew Brees and Sean Payton. And I believe the Saints are the favorite team and they should be. I assume you're going to disagree with me. Yeah. And um, I'm gonna and I'm gonna take the 49ers for sure. Yeah, I I, I think you're like Norm McDonald sometimes with these things. We're like, yeah, yeah, that's what I'm gonna do. Yeah, 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 no, yeah I'm, I'm gonna take the 49ers. Good. Yeah, I think the 49ers are gonna win the game this week. I do. I actually really like San Francisco in this game. Uh, Saints have not played well. Saints have have had a hard time closing out games. Had a hard time beating teams by a lot. Their defense has definitely fallen back. 
for some reason, it played a lot better with Teddy B than it has with Drew Brees. So I am going to take San Francisco in this one. And right off the top, I'm going to say the wrong team is favored to start. I mean, won pretty handily on Thanksgiving. That wasn't much of a contest against the Falcons. I'm just saying the Falcons were the same team that beat them a couple weeks ago. So they went out there and took care of business on the road. And again, a million times. Go back and watch the game. They had the ball in the red zone eight times. How many touchdowns did they score? I hear you. One. I I hear you. I hear you. Falcons minus three against the Panthers. Atlanta, how they're favored in any game this year, I'll never know. But I guess this, this is just an indictment on what Carolina has become. I know the Panthers players have said we need to win this one for Ron Rivera. I mean, I guess you could. I guess you could use that as as some motivation, but I don't know, man. And the and the NFL is not like the other sports usually, and, and football in general, by the way, is not like the other sports. In hockey and in baseball and in the NBA, usually when the coach gets fired, the next game they play very well. In football, it usually doesn't go that way. It usually the the players, you know, kind of feel defeated. But I would certainly pass this game. I don't have a clue. But Joe, the Falcons are favored somehow minus three against Carolina. Is the wrong team favored in this game? You know, this is a tough one because for me, I think it all comes down to with Ron Rivera gone, what's the usage of McCaffrey? Does it change at all? Does it get pulled back here towards the end of the season because he's such an important asset and a draw for a head coach that the last thing you want is a little overexposure and something go wrong with McCaffrey? I don't think they're going to do that. I think they're going to play it out there. This is a, you know, a, a team that they are certainly familiar with. And I think on the road actually eases up a little bit because you understand the Falcons, the one thing the Falcons really struggle with historically the last couple of years is running backs to catch the ball out of the backfield. And if that's not Christian McCaffrey, I don't know who is. So for that reason alone, I look at this game as Christian McCaffrey versus the Falcons. And I think it's McCaffrey. So I actually think the wrong team is favored here. I like the Panthers in this one. All right. So this is uh, is this a strong one or just a I'm stronger than you. I wouldn't pass on it. I think that the Panthers would cover this game. At least I really right, do. So, I just right. Falcons defense can't hold anybody to that sense of you know, uh, I don't know. I just I feel like they're just always going to be back and forth. And look, Kyle Allen has not played well in the last month here, but he has made some throws. He has scored points. So I think if as long as you give Christian McCaffrey the football in this game, that uh, I think the Panthers have a shot. Buccaneers against the Colts. The Bucks are minus three. Uh, I was very surprised that they were a favorite last week and they came through. So I was completely wrong there. Uh, they'll play the Colts this week. I don't know if Hilton's in or out. That would make the final decision for me, Joe, if I knew Hilton was playing. I would take the Colts and I would take those points. But for now, I'll wait on it. But uh, well, it looks like he's not. So everything that came out yesterday seemed like he might not play again this year. So I would definitely not. I would not anticipate him playing in this game for sure. I'll I'll still say the wrong team is favorite. I would take the points. Uh, I'll take the Bucs here. Uh, Not that the Bucs are world beaters, but they have played better since the bye, since they've gotten beat up in London and then went home and licked their wounds. They've played better football on both sides of the ball. And um, they still have clearly issues at the running back position they clearly have issues in the secondary we all know that that's no big change there but without ty hilton the colts just can't stretch the ball like down the field they also have vinatieri who is missing who's dealing with an injury too who's already not very good at the stage in his career and on top of that being not 100 percent, that doesn't help me feel better about the colts chances so i'll take the bucks in this one i actually think this is a this is almost a gimme here the three i think that's pretty easy for a, a gimme wow yeah okay. i do i do too many too many right. things too many injuries for the colts too much all right. Uh, Chargers against the Jaguars. Chargers are minus three. I thought that they would beat Denver last week. It was close enough that I could have felt like I was right. And then as the game ends, you always remind yourself, don't ever take the Chargers, which is what I'm going to uh, do. If I had to take any side here, it would be Jacksonville. You have not been good with Jacksonville at all this year. So no, but I've been I'll, great with the Chargers. I am the so Charger I'll, whisperer. <laughs> so 
<laughs> so I don't know. I, I would I, I'll I'll hear you out here, but I may have sure. to I may have to just fade you and take the other side. So well, I'm going with the Jags. So I'm the Chargers. All right, Chargers. I know when they lose and when they win. <laughs> hey, I am nine. What do we? Wait, how many? What do we have? We're week fourteen. I've only gotten one week of the Chargers wrong on the uh, on the pick show on Line Star. Well, so well, this is going to be the other one. Here we well, go. Well, I don't know, man. Uh, <laughs> give me Gardner Minshew. Give me the Jaguars. Good. You can highlight. I see you highlight. <laughs> I, I, I am. I got to do it. Go. I got to do it. Behind Sorry. the scenes on fantasy sports today. Got to pay. Troll of Craig Mish comes out sometimes and teases me in the show sheet. Oh, and he's listen, making little highlights it. and little asterisks. Remember this. So you can put Joe's nose in it on Monday morning. Oh, yeah. No, I'm going to listen. Well, luckily, I, I, you'll I be didn't in the call you out for, for bombing okay. the last two weeks on the line star. So uh, but let's 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 talk about the Jaguars and let's talk about, uh, you know, I don't like the Jaguars. This is not like, oh, the Jaguars are a great football team. This is just the Chargers are if Tyron Taylor ends up coming into this game, that is all Jaguars. Then I just I don't see a scenario where that happens where again and all of a sudden that the Jaguars don't win. So tell me why you feel so good about the Chargers at this point, because neither of these teams are world beaters. I understand that makes it difficult, but if they get back to Fournette and Shark and Minshew and they've had some moments there early in the season where that all worked and maybe Minshew just needed a little bit of a step away, too, because we saw Sam Darnold last year got his breather. At the same point in time of the season, and Sam Darnold played real well in the second, like the last three, four weeks of the season last year. If Minshew can kind of step away, kind of right the wrongs, this is a good spot for him and the Jags. All right. And this is your line star uh, pick, by the way, also? I don't know yet. I mean, I have to listen to Friday's show. I'm not going to give it away. You got to go listen. Not, not going well for you over there. Uh, <laughs> all right. Patriots. Uh, I, I, I follow you on Twitter, Joe. Patriots minus three versus the Chiefs. Oh, my gosh. I thought it was Patriots for me all day long. And boy, there are people making a really good case for Kansas City. Ugh. Really wanted to take the Patriots here. I still will, but don't feel great about it. I feel really good about the next two after this one. But I'll, I'll take New England here and say the wrong team is uh, not favored and uh, and take New England. Although, mm, I got to tell you, there's some really compelling stuff here. For, What's uh, the compelling stuff? Are you just going to keep it to yourself or are you going to share um, it with everybody? Yeah, it, it's uh, the, underlying stat, the underlying stats for Kansas City since Mahomes has come back mimic everything that they did last year. And their defense has been a top seven defense, I think, also over the last five weeks. And so well, they've also played some crappy opponents, too. Let's be honest. I mean, the Raiders so aren't has, exactly putting the ball in the end zone either much. So has New England. True. Well, I mean, the Texans, I don't think, are a crappy opponent. No, they're definitely not. Definitely not. But uh, the they played the Eagles. They played the Cowboys. One of those. How are you feeling about those teams? How you feel? Oh, great. Congratulations. Yeah. Eight, eight. <laughs> hey, they're well, I think we both agree they have way more talent on them than the Oakland Raiders do. Or uh, who I they played the week before that? that, the Chiefs. I, I could see the Raiders beating the Eagles for sure. Why not? Anyway, go ahead. Make your pick. Take the Patriots. Let's move on. Patriots, December, New England. Lock it up. Next. Steelers at the Cardinals. Steelers minus two and a half. You got burned by the Cardinals last week. and, you're, and you're I got gonna, burned by Kyler Murray's hamstring. And this is where you're going to make the key mistake of getting burned one week and not going back to the well the second. You should. Cardinals are going to win this game this week. They're, they're I the disagree. Wrong, wrong team is favorite. See, you got burned. And you can't I, go I, back will. I will because I don't think Kyler Murray's healthy. I think that hamstring is a real problem there. And the Steelers defensively have played very well. And the one thing that travels is defense and defense travels. And I think they will show up there and they'll give the Cardinals. A, look, this is not going to be a pretty game, I don't think. But I think it's one where the Steelers are going to come out with a victory. So give me the Steelers in this. Okay. one. OK, Titans two and a half at the Raiders. Definitely taking the Raiders here as well. Uh, wrong team is favored for me. Why? Uh, again, week to week league. What have the Titans really done? What have they proven? Uh, last week's game was really close until the second half of the game. The Colts really undermanned. I like the Raiders in a bounce back spot. So Good it doesn't spot. bother you at all that the Raiders offense is basically shut down for the last couple of weeks. I like the Raiders more than I do the Cardinals. How about that one? Wow. 
Okay. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm not there. I think uh, Derrick Henry season is in full swing. It's the holidays. It's Derrick Henry. It's uh, New England at home. It's the things that you always can count on. And uh, Tannehill's played very well. And I'm going to go with the Titans in this one. I think the, the right team is actually okay. favored here. Okay. And then the final one will be the Seahawks and the Rams. Uh, definitely do not have a great feeling on this one like I do some of the others. Uh, I've heard some compelling arguments. You know, I listen to a lot of podcasts, watch TV, watch gambling stuff too. Uh, a lot of good, compelling arguments for the Rams, um, but I can't do it. I'll take Seattle. Absolutely, Seattle. I mean, come on. The Rams, come on. They're, I mean, just because... I'm not buying what I saw week. last week either, so no. I, will take, I will take Seattle, but again, the line is screaming to take Seattle, which usually means it is the wrong side. So no, it's a uh, look. Seattle's going to win this football game. Seattle's that two headed monster at the running back position is going to be really good for them. So you give me Seattle. Okay. I think Seattle's going to well, roll well, here. You're, you're in a little trouble going into the week. I, don't know. I, I mean, you, I mean, seven of eight favorites are not going to cover ever in the NFL. All right. That's, you that's know, it's, it makes you're, are you sure I know, you don't want to switch over to a dog here. You got to do the dog. I, I, I make your like, look last last week. Nothing went right. Right. So, uh, you know, um, I mean, everything was upside down last week. Everything so was I'm, upside I'm down going back to what works, which is underdogs. Okay, well that's good. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with what I go think on the, on the chalk. And You're a chalk guy, and it's fun for you because then you get to you know tease me about it. If no, nothing only, else, only on the bit. Jaguars, that's the only one. Yeah. And you know what? I think it's kind of I think it's you know slightly uh, slightly sad that uh, you know for the first I don't know eight weeks of the season on the Line Star Pod, our upset specials hit at a seventy five percent rate. And the last couple of weeks, they haven't been good. And you want to uh, tease me about it? That's fine. That's fine. I, I'll yeah, remember. There's these no things. way that you were hitting seventy five percent. But that's yeah, we were. Go back and listen. Go. I'll, well, I can prove it. That's the nice thing about this tape. I, I you know what? You always say that like no, there's it didn't no happen. Or I never said that. No I'm going to start doing more homework on this. Go ahead. I will do it. Seventy five percent. Come on. We only picked that. two. We only we each picked one per week. Whatever it was. Oh, it doesn't matter. First, yeah, no, we were, were doing great. Mike Randall and I between us, we had of the first. I think eight weeks of the season, there was only mm-hmm. one week where we didn't get one between the two of us. And there were four well, or five 50, weeks where we had no? two. No, but then I'm saying then there's four or five weeks where we both. All right. Well, two. I'll go back and I'll, I'll go I'm back saying, and I'll no, do No, I'll do it for I, you. You're a busy guy. You're, you're a man I, of the people. So I'll go. Do all that. I go is I go back to the week before to Razzie and, and it's been. And I, and I, and I, and I, uh, I think it's a good bit and I think everyone enjoys it. All right. We are running a little bit over here. Uh, John Lobb will join us. He's a big talker. Uh, college football <laughs> is coming up next. And we got the SEC, the ACC, Big Ten Championship, Big 12 as well. You're listening to Fantasy Sports Today. Craig and Joe, don't go away. DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. Fantasy Sports Today with Craig Mish and Joe Pizzapia. This call is being recorded. All right, here we go. Three, two, one. And welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today. And we missed John Lobb so much last week in our uh, Thanksgiving Day time off that we had to bring him back this week to get into the college football conference championship games. After this weekend, we will know who will play in the college football playoff. And, John, thanks once again. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy holidays. Thank you for coming on the show. 
<laughs> oh, you're welcome, man. What a great holiday we had. So much good football last week. And we got one more big week. I think this is an underrated week in college football. I mean, this is really going to decide not only conference championships, but who gets into the big four that we're able to enjoy in January. All right, so let's dive right in to start with that. Um, Oregon is the first game. That's tomorrow. Oregon will play Utah for the Pac-12 championship. Is it a fair assumption that no matter what Utah does, as long as they win, they are in? Because there are some that feel that is not the case, that if Oklahoma blows out Baylor, then they are in. How do you see this playing out? What has to happen? Let's touch on those two teams because it seems like Assuming that LSU beats Georgia, whether they cover or not, it's another story. That's you know seven point line. Utah, by the way, six and a half against Oregon. Uh, John, Utah wins. Are they in, or do they need Oklahoma to lose? In my opinion, if Utah wins, they should get in. I do believe that they are a better team in all aspects of the game. Oklahoma has a better offense. There's no denying that. But Oklahoma's defense leaves something to be desired. I believe if Utah beats Oregon, and the Ducks are 10-2, and two, so this would help them in strength of schedule. But the Utes only lost when their best player, Zach Moss, the USC, did not play in that game. So I really like the Utes. I'm rooting for them tomorrow because Oregon laid a stinker against Arizona State on the road. So the Utes are our last hope. Now, I think Oklahoma has some major weaknesses, and you brought that up. And those weaknesses, I think, are being overlooked, and that is the defensive front seven. You can definitely beat Oklahoma in the front seven. I think the youths are underrated. I don't know why on a national level people are not giving them the respect that they deserve because they're a good football team from top to bottom. All right, so uh, noon Eastern on Saturday, assuming Utah wins, and you can't make that assumption, but let's just for the sake of argument say they win. Uh, you know, spread not included here. And I do think Utah's got a shot to cover the spread uh, too as well. But uh, look, these championship games go sideways sometimes. Uh, it's the rematch of Baylor and Oklahoma. Oklahoma is nine point favorites. The Bears were b- uh, basically two quarters away from being in this discussion right now, John. I mean, they basically controlled their own destiny. If they don't get into the playoff, they're going to look back on that second half and say we had it and we lost it. Do they stand a chance this week against Oklahoma? Would you take the nine points? I would definitely take the nine points, my friend. I mean, I loved watching that game on that Saturday night. I believe it was three weeks ago now. I thought Baylor lost the game. I still, maybe my narrative is different than the majority. I did not think Oklahoma won that game. I thought Baylor lost it. I'm a big believer when you have an opportunity to put the pedal to the metal, you do that, especially to a great offense. I thought Baylor played scared in the second half. They were happy with punting and putting their very good defense. It's not a great defense, but it's a very good defense on the field. You can't do that against Jalen Hurts and that Oklahoma Sooner offense. I love the nine points with Baylor here. Um, I do think they're going to cover, and I I think it's 50-50 who's going to win this game. I think the the Bears have all the motivation. They have the defense, and I think they have the desire to get revenge for that loss a couple weeks ago. Yeah, I mean, when we get to the Bulls, we talk a lot about that, like like motivation in games in college, and even in the regular season, we talk about it too. I got to tell you, John, I cannot disagree. I mean, you you got to look at Baylor as the most motivated team going in this week. Like it's it, it. I mean, they were so embarrassed in the second half of that game, and for them to get throttled again by Oklahoma, it just like doesn't seem like it's possible. Like you would have to think that this is their chance to make up for what happened there and and save their season, so to speak. 
So, um, you know, we'll see what happens there. Uh, Memphis is going to take on Cincinnati again. Kind of unfortunate the way that this went down where Memphis won by 10 last week. And so an easy line. They made it uh, nine this week. Is it just a simple? Yeah, I mean, look, I, I don't I don't know that Cincinnati can beat Memphis. I'm just not sure that they can after watching last week. But we don't know how much they were really revealing to one another because they had to play again this week. But Memphis is minus nine. It opened up at nine and a half, went down to eight and a half. Now it's back to nine, uh, John, this week. What do you see in this one? So this is fascinating because it's, it's very rare. I can't remember two teams playing back-to-back like this. I'm sure it's happened. It just doesn't flash in my mind. It's um, been a few years. Idol. Yeah, it's been a few yeah. years. Yeah, so I do believe that Memphis is a better football team. But you do have this X factor, back-to-back weeks. And I thought, because I watched that game, I thought Cincinnati kind of held back once Memphis took the lead. Now, the Bearcats do not have the offensive firepower to get in the shootout with the Tigers. However, their defense is underrated, and I wonder if the Bearcats are going to change and scheme a little bit differently. Now, I do like Memphis. They're the better team, but that X factor really concerns me because I did notice in the second half, I thought Cincinnati said, hey, let's put the brakes on a little bit. We've got to play this team again in seven days. I think nine points is a lot in this game. All right, now uh, over to the SEC Championship where Georgia plays LSU, 4 o'clock Eastern game. Uh, The total is 55. I think the line tells a good story here, John. I got to tell you, like, if you would have asked me what this line would have been, I probably would have said LSU by 11, 12. The fact that it's 7, I got to tell you, this is dragging me to take Georgia. It really is. Like, the line, I think, is telling me the story because the world is going to take LSU, right? Like, I feel like that's the public play. I don't know that Georgia has enough offensively to compete with LSU, but we've seen the Tigers' defense falter. So uh, it's an interesting game for me. I think I, I kind of see like a low-scoring 20-14 to 14 game maybe, but man, that Alabama-Auburn game last week is shaking me from the SEC with, uh, with the <laughs> amount of turnovers. I mean, I thought that game looked like an under last week, and then you had an interception, and then you had a kickoff return for a touchdown, and then you had another interception, and then you had a fumble for a touchdown. So, I mean, I know that's not normal, but I guess specifically, let's just speak to the line here. Why, why is LSU only seven? Tells me Georgia's got a shot. So I think what Las Vegas is telling us, and I was looking at some numbers here, we know that LSU's defense is not very good. And we haven't said that in years, right? We always expect that Tigers defense to be dominant. But this LSU Tigers team, you know, it reminds me of like the 84 Dolphins. They have this great offense, but that defense is lacking on the other side of the field. So what I think Vegas is telling us, they believe that the Bulldogs are going to be able to run the football and control the clock. So the only way, and I agree, I kind of like the seven points with the Bulldogs here, because if Georgia can hold on to the ball for 35 to 37 minutes, and what that means to me is DeAndre Swift better get 30 carries in this football. You know, Mm -hmm. right? I I mean, I I think he's been an underused asset all year, but that's a different story for a different day. But in this game, Swift has got to get the ball as much as possible because you cannot let Joe Burrow and that offense have 28, 29 minutes of ball because they're going to put points on the board. So to me, yes, I know what LSU is going to do, and I think Georgia is going to be all right on defense. They're not going to shut down the Tigers, but they can slow them down. If I get that seven points and the Bulldogs come out here and run the clock, I feel really good about that, Craig. 
Yeah, I think if you wait till Saturday, you may get seven and a half. It seems like it's at least trending that way. A lot of public money coming on LSU for sure. Okay, so um, the Big Ten and ACC championships, I don't know if it's fair to lump them together, but no one is really giving Wisconsin a chance, and certainly no one will give Virginia any chance to beat Clemson. I don't ever remember a conference championship game, games of this magnitude, where a team like uh, Clemson, 28-point favorite in the ACC championship against Virginia. Uh, John, I've seen this kid Perkins play. You don't know week to week, the quarterback of Virginia, what he's going to look like. Sometimes he looks great. There's a lot of times where I see him and, and the awareness, even with him, like it takes sacks a lot of times, like when they're in, in range. So, I mean, I'm not going to do anything with a game that the team is laying 28 points, that's for sure. And then as far as Wisconsin goes, look, I mean, stranger things have happened. Wisconsin needs like five things to happen in order for them to get in the playoff. One of them, of course, is beating Ohio State outright. And I hate to go week to week, but I got to tell you, after I saw what Ohio State did in the second half to Michigan last week, I can't take Wisconsin either. Craig, you know, first, I think you absolutely nailed it with Bryce Perkins because I've watched a lot of him because I had him on my college fantasy football team all year. And he is one of the most exciting players, but paradoxically, he is so up and down. Makes and huge mistakes, man. Yeah, huge, huge mistakes. mistakes, my friend. I mean, there's no question about his athletic ability, his ability to make plays happen. But you're right, he takes too many big sacks. They don't have a lot of help at wide receiver. Their running game, other than Perkins, is almost non-existent. I was shocked when I saw 28 and a half. I thought it might be 22, you know, a little over three touchdowns. They're telling us over four touchdowns. But the problem is, when you look at the matchup with Clemson, man, their defense, obviously, aren't you going to not only spy Bryce Perkins with a linebacker or a safety, but you're also going to have a – they're nasty in the front seven, Clemson. They have athletes who can slow down Perkins. So I think they're going to slow down the Cavaliers and specifically Perkins. And then you just look at that Clemson offense, my friend. Travis Etienne is playing such good football. More important, Trevor Lawrence has played awesome football down the stretch. They have Justin Ross and T. Higgins at wide receiver. I'm not touching that game either because you could have Clemson up by 31 points and Perkins rips off a 28-yard touchdown with a minute left and you get the backdoor cover. But, yes, I mean, I'm shocked also that Clemson is such huge favorites. And you know what? I watched that whole Michigan-Ohio State game. And I really thought that Michigan would show us something. You know, they just, they fell apart at home. Now, is it Michigan or is it the Buckeyes? When I left, I just said to myself, wow, Ohio State is so explosive on the offensive side of the football with Justin Fields and J.K. Dobbins. And, boy, we're going to be talking about Dobbins pretty soon. We are now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's bigger than I thought. He's stronger than I thought. He was in that timeshare last year, which, you know, which concerned us. But we got to start thinking about timeshares aren't such a bad thing. You know, we, we, we kind of downgrade players in these timeshares. But, man, as J.K. Dobbins, when you have a dominant running game, you have playmakers at wide receiver, and you have this quarterback who's so efficient in both passing and in the run game. you got to like the Buckeyes here. You know, they kind of just grind you down with speed, and athleticism. Because even when you stay in the game, the Buckeyes also, when you watch them this year, they'll score like two or three touchdowns in like four minutes because they get a defensive turnover and they boom, boom, boom. And I just don't think Wisconsin has the athletes to slow down Ohio State on the offensive side. 
Yeah, when you make a mistake against Ohio State, you pay quick. Oh. I mean, that, that's that's just it. And, and you know what? Michigan honestly deserved a better fate. I don't know that they would have covered, but they played better than the score indicated for about a half. And then, I mean, they just made mistake after mistake. There were some weird coaching decisions there, too, by Harbaugh. But, uh, yeah, I, I, I kind of see it the same way. And so is it safe to say uh, the way that you see it, John, after the weekend when we talk next week, that the number one overall team will be Ohio State? The number two overall team will be LSU. The third will be Clemson, and the fourth will be Utah. Is that is that your prediction here as we leave you? It would if I was going to be put money on ranking the four. That's exactly how I would do it because I do expect the Tigers to beat Georgia, and it would be very hard. I'd be stunned if Utah at twelve and one, big, you know, the Pac twelve champion gets lost, left out. They should be the fourth seed. Yeah, yeah, I was yeah. Oklahoma State losing to Kansas State was just, or Oklahoma losing to Kansas State to me was uh, should be the death knell for them. But like, we like to see offense in those games, and I'm sure the committee's going to be scared that Utah's not going to score and they're going to get blown out, like we saw with Notre Dame. You know, it's not a not a bad point, but not deserving uh, to to leave them out. That's for sure. Hey, John, enjoy the games this weekend. We'll talk again um, probably in two weeks. I would say when we do our bowl preview. Okay. Excellent, my friends. Have a great day, everyone. All right, John Love, the Gridiron Scholar. We'll be back with a wrap-up of the first hour, and then we'll move on to hour number two of Fantasy Sports Today. Don't go away. DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. Fantasy Sports Today with Craig Mish and Joe Pizzapia. Welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today. As we wrap up the first hour of the show, here's what you missed. Football in general, by the way, is not like the other sports. In hockey and in baseball, And in the NBA, usually when the coach gets fired, the next game, they play very well. In football, it usually doesn't go that way. Usually the the players, you know, kind of feel defeated. But I would certainly pass this game. I don't have a clue. But, Joe, the Falcons are favored somehow. Minus three against Carolina is the wrong team favored in this game. You know, this is a tough one because for me, I think it all comes down to with Ron Rivera gone, what's the usage of McCaffrey? Does it change at all? Does it get pulled back here towards the end of the season because he's such an important asset and a draw for a head coach that the last thing you want is a little overexposure and something go wrong with McCaffrey? I don't think they're going to do that. I think they're going to play it out there. This is a, you know, a, a team that they are certainly familiar with. And I think on the road, actually, eases up a little bit because you understand the Falcons. The one thing the Falcons really struggle with historically the last couple of years is running backs to catch the ball out of the backfield. And if that's not Christian McCaffrey, I don't know who is. So for that reason alone, I look at this game as Christian McCaffrey versus the Falcons. And I think it's McCaffrey. So I actually think the wrong team is favored here. I like the Panthers in this one. All right. So this is, uh, is this a strong one or just a, I've stronger than you. I wouldn't pass on it. I think that the Panthers would cover this game. At least I really do. I just Falcons defense can't hold anybody to that sense of, 
you know, uh, I don't know. I just I feel like they're just always going to be back and forth. And look, Kyle Allen has not played well in the last month here, but he has made some throws. He has scored points. So I think if as long as you give Christian McCaffrey the football in this game, that uh, I think the Panthers have a shot.